Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. But I want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 20 through 26 to begin with. And I'll come back to this first. But it says here, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up, storing up of wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. That's a powerful verse. Very powerful verse. You know, the main theme of Ecclesiastes is humanity's fruitless search for contentment. And we do, don't we? We search, we, we beat the bushes, we, we're given this one life, and just like children, very much like children, we try to do everything to bring joy and satisfaction to ourselves, uh, into our lives, by all the other things. It's like God is over there standing, look, follow me, do it my way. I, you know, it's going to be a little harder. It's not the way that man would naturally choose. It's not the path that looks the most promising. You don't see as many people coming and going upon it, but it's the one that's going to satisfy. Solomon's sub-themes are that contentment cannot be found in human endeavors or material things. While wisdom and knowledge leave too many unanswered questions. You know, he even says that, hey, knowledge, and we're talking about Solomon here, who was the smartest man on the planet because it was given to him by God through wisdom and knowledge, everything that he could get his, his, his mind around. I'm sure he had people go out far and wide to get him all the books and all the, everything that he could study. And he said, look, I, I, I put my whole life upon learning and wisdom. And he said, the more I learned, the more I didn't know. The more I learned, the more it actually brought fear into my life. And that's interesting. And I found that to be true. You ever, when you spend too much time on the news and you find out about Zika vi- viruses or Zika, or however you pronounce the thing, or you, you know, flus and all these different things, of course, a lot of that's just to get you to read, see their advertisements, play upon our fears. But when we know sometimes it can really bring a lot of unrest and discontentment to our life. But then what, what, what Solomon's conclusion was, you know what, if you just essentially spend more time thinking about God and serving him and interacting with him and the life that you've been given, that's going to bring a lot more contentment, a lot more peace, a lot more joy. The kind of joy that doesn't go away. Now, it might not be the kind of joy that they might experience at a rave, you know, with the, the Eurobeat thumping in the background. You know, I mean, it might not be that. But it's because you know what joy really means? I mean, literally in the Greek, it means quiet contentment. Does that kind of blow you away a little bit when you think of joy? Because we think of joy as our team winning the Super Bowl, which we didn't get this year. But anyway, we think of that joy. We think that's what it is, but it's not. It's quiet contentment. It's joy that it's just in you. It's like sometimes, like last night I was driving home, 
I looked over and I saw that sun coming down and just a wave of just going, thank you, God. Thank you for this life. Thank you for the things that you've poured into my life. Thank you. There's that sense of just coming into because it comes through God and when you, 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 you see your life in the context of God, it just draws you into a peace and a contentment. You're not, you're, not dis, you're not thinking about what you could have. You're not thinking about what is broken in your life. You're not thinking of all that has to change. You're just like, thank you, Lord. It's a different set of eyes that comes when we see our lives in the context of his life in us. So Solomon discovered this well, well before his time. What really he came to was, hey, I need to have this relationship. And it's kind of a sad book because he discovers that he has a greater need for God. What he's asking for is the incarnate, incarnate Jesus. <laughs> you know, he wants to have that personal relationship. It's begging for that. Guess what, folks? That's ours. We can have that. So... He's saying that, look, when you're, you're pursuing things and human endeavors, and we're going to get into it a little bit of that in a second, and material things, it's going to bring a hollowness, a hollowness. It might, there might be that joy for the moment. There might be that celebratory thing. There might be that elation that we get, <clears throat> but it doesn't last. And see, Jesus talked about that to the woman at the well. He said, would you like the water that lasts, the contentment that lasts? See, no one's here saying that, Many of the things that we've done and we've produced and the things that, that the world has created doesn't bring some measure of joy or a sense of excitement for the moment, whether it be drugs or alcohol or sex or, or, or just self-accomplishment or achievement or all the things that can just bring you a wave of, you know? I mean, graduation is kind of a funny time because we're in that season right now. I remember it so clearly, don't you? For those who've done it, you're sitting there so excited to get your cap and gown on, you're ready to go down. And then they give you that degree. I mean, they give you your thing, your diploma, and you walk up on the stage, and what do you think next? What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? I remember feeling it so. I mean, I remember walking down and just going, yay! And the whole world is staring at me. What are you going to do with this thing? Because it's coming for you. Before, they made you stay in this subculture. That you felt some sense of identity and connection, even though you might have gotten beaten up every day going to school. But, you know, either way, at least you knew what to expect. But now it's over. And you've got to start. Solomon, who was the wisest, wealthiest man in the history of the world, came to the conclusion that all his wealth and wisdom was meaningless. And when we have the great ones who have been who've done this and who are here to tell us with their example that they've not made a happy, not it's, it's, uh, received a happy life by wealth and accomplishment. It, he says it's a chasing after the wind. When we got someone like Solomon looking at us through time and saying, it's not worth it. Don't wear yourself, getting out, wear yourself out rich, getting rich. Don't pursue these kinds of dreams and goals without God. He's, he's speaking to us through the ages. We should take heed, without question. So, may I look at this more closely this morning? What do we take satisfaction in? And this is by no means a comprehensive list, but these are the things as I prayed, God just dropped in my lap and he said, David, talk about these things. Just four quick things. 
relationships with people. We take a lot, we put a lot into that. We got a lot of hope, whether it be through marriage or girlfriend, boyfriend, or, or friendships in general, whether they be virtual friendships on, online or people that we go to Starbucks with. We put a lot into that, and it's critically important. But you often see that after living for a time that human relationships without kingdom context, they grow stale and even become painful. They can be. I found this. I'd love to share a lot more intimately with you, but it involves people. And I don't want to expose anyone, but I'll just tell you just plain out that as I've lived, it's, it's like only those relationships that are based in a firm understanding of the kingdom of, the, of God are the ones that last and grow richer, grow deeper. I mean, I'm going to say it plain. There are some of you in this room that I'm closer to in my life than a lot of natural relationships. Can I put it that way? Why? Because we've lived life together here. Andrew and I have been here in June. will be 13 years. We've shared a lot of our life. We may not see each other that often, but I'll tell you what. We just can pick up where we left off. Hey, how you doing? How's your life? How are your kids? Because we live in a plane that is eternal. We kind of understand, you know what? We're family, and we're going to be together forever. That's good. And it supersedes race. It supersedes cultural identification, north, south, west, east, coast, northeast. Pick on those northeasterners just for a second. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't know what I'm saying. And if you don't know what I'm saying, then I'm here to gonna tempt you a little bit. Because we may think, gosh, if I could just have a real close friend, if I could just have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife, you know what? Without Christ as the center, I'm telling you, it's a chasing after the wind. It's a chasing after the wind. You've got to believe what I'm saying. Number two, personal talents and skills. We put a lot on that too. You know, we, we're, we're, the last 25 years, we're, we've come through the, what they call the purpose-filled time. It's been a lot. Last, it's probably been longer than that. Probably more like 30 years since Rick Warren wrote his purpose-filled church, purpose-filled life. Probably recall that. Man, it went over a wave over the churches, over Christians. And it was a real focus on, God, I've got to find my purpose. I've got to find my purpose. Wonderful thing, wonderful thing. I really believe it was from, the, by, from God, Holy Spirit, to get the church to focus on what, what we're called to be and to do. But as anything, as a pendulum goes from side to side, without God, we walk away with, I am special. I've got a talent. I've got a skill. Without God, it once again becomes a chasing after the wind. We can become very good at something and be lauded for our tremendous skill. But we find that the praises ring hollow after a time as people compare us and the critics begin to judge. Because what you'll find is for everything that you do really, really well, there's somebody else doing it better. And there are times when I'll just think, you know, when I like to write and I like to paint and I do some things. And thankfully, I mean, as a younger man, the reason why I didn't do more creative things was because I would, look at, I would go to a museum and I'd look and I'd say, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Because that is so good, it just blows me away. I mean, why even try? I picked up a guitar many years ago, and then I'd listen to Pat Metheny on the radio. He's a famous jazz guitarist. And I'm just like, oh, I'm never touching that guitar again. 
That guy, what he does with his fingers is beyond compare. A hollowness, a chasing after the wind. But when Jesus becomes the focus, and I understand that how God has uniquely made me, and whatever I do is for his glory, then it doesn't really matter. I could do a little crayon drawing and, and, and slide it across the table, and as long as my six-year-old looks at me and says, Dad, that's amazing. I'm good. I'm good. And whatever it is that we find our hands doing, but the point is, we, we do tend to put a lot on that. And so we, we come launching out of graduation, we come pushing in our life saying, I am going to conquer, I'm going to become the best at this, and only to find that it's a, it's a ladder that you're climbing, 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 climbing. And every year comes by, you, you make your goals. I'm going to be better at that, I'm going to be better at that. One day, if you're not there yet, you will be. You'll get to that point where you kind of cross over the top. You're not going to look any better. You're not going to be any stronger or faster. Sorry, Dr. Brian. This guy's an amazing athlete. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, stop. You know, Pastor David, come out on the, the soccer field with him. And I'm looking at him going, dude, if I even kick a ball, man, I'm going to be in the bed a week. <laughs> but I don't have the heart to tell him, your day is coming, my brother. Your day. But I'm not going to do that because that's not fair. Live and enjoy. Do it. When you have the strength, do it, man. Kick, run, do it. Now all I can do is just crawl through the water in a pool, man. That's about it. But anyway, personal talents and skills. So important. We put a lot into that. But unless it's unto the Lord it, and, and it doesn't have internal significance, it's a chasing after the wind. I'm sorry. You'll leave it here. It'll become dust. It'll become nothing. It breaks my heart that how, how many of the museums of all the wonderful pieces of art burned up. No eternal significance. People will spend millions of dollars to have these things in their home. Thieves try to break in and steal. But without kingdom context, they're chasing after the wind. They're dust. Dust in the wind, as he wrote, right? Number three, acquired wealth. Mm, that's a big one, isn't it? Solomon bought everything he could think of, and yet it didn't satisfy. He tells us that. He said, I, I, I spared my heart no pleasure. He's a king. He's going to get what he wants. He's going to call in a guy. Hey, come here. Look, I heard in China they have this thing. Yes, sir. I want you to get it. How am I going to get it? I don't care. You just better have it in a week. He spared himself no pleasure. We know that he ended up getting into wives and having a lot of them. And in the end, which is what is another sad part of the book, because we know that that led him away from God. He thought, well, if one wife is good, five is better. The boy was up to like 600 concubines and wives. <laughs> All I can say is, dude, what were you thinking? But that really wasn't the point. The point was most of them were pagans. And what they did is they, honey, yeah, what do you want, hon? Come on in here. This little carving is called Molech. Yeah, but we don't worship him. Oh, no, 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 but look, look at all the special things that he does. Pull the chain, do this, do that. And Solomon's like, oh, whatever. Next thing you know, the boy's got a bunch of pagans in his house. And his whole focus on God. Much of which is why he said what he said. 
if he wandered, he followed, he followed after his heart for wealth and things. The wise person will, as Paul, do, as, as Paul said, and learn to be content with whatever God gives us at the time. And also use what he's given us to advance his gospel. An investment that lasts forever. You know, I know, it's hard for me as a pastor to get up and talk about money because I know that there are shysters. I know that sometimes pastors have to resort to almost scam-like things to get people to give, but don't judge them too hard, hardly, harshly. Because the poor guys, they're out there working, trying to build something, and they got a bunch of stingy folks, and they don't know how to change the world. They love to be able to change the world. they got a vision, but then they have to resort to that. And I say, look, dude, don't do that. Spend more time on your knees. Spend more time asking God. You know, and let the people know. I mean, I've been rebuked by the elders from time to time. Look, if the, ch if the church is struggling, let them know. That's hard for me to get up there and say things like that. Because I know how much wealth, as, as Jesus said, man, it, is, it, it, it really points to the focus of your heart, what we do with our money. Want to know where a person's heart is? Look at their checkbook. Look at their ledger of what we spend our money on. It will tell you. So we seek after that. We run after that, and it doesn't last. It brings a hollowness if that's what our focus is. You know, we've heard way too many stories about very, very wealthy billionaires. Just hearing the other day, I think it was uh, the Microsoft guy, um, Bill Gates. Thank you, Bill Gates. Bill Gates has more money. You and I could work... <laughs> you know where it's coming. But basically, we're, we could make something like, I don't know, like $100,000 a year for the rest of our lives and still not have what the guy has. He's got more money than, I mean, he could literally give every person in the United States probably 1000 bucks and still have a lot to spare. That's a lot of money. But what is it doing for him? What will it do for him internally? Not a thing. And it certainly won't bring, I mean, it breaks your heart to look at the last pictures of Steve Jobs and that his money couldn't buy life. Couldn't do it. But we can, and it can't buy eternal life either, can it? Because it's a, it's a free gift. We don't need any money for that. And that's amazing, isn't it? Fourth thing, our children. I know this acutely because I've got five of my own as a parent. Andrew and I started into this journey with a real determination that we were going to raise our kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Andrew grew up in a Christian home. I didn't. But I knew what I wanted. As I looked, and I, and, I, and I knew what I didn't want my kids to experience out of my life, I looked at families that were raising their kids up, and I would, and I would study them. I'd watch them closely. I made a study of how I could raise my children. I was a youth pastor for a number of years, eight years. And so I was able to look and say, I don't want to raise a teenager like that. And so I made a study in, of it. And, and, and so I, all I want to say is this, is I've relished my time watching my own children succeed and struggle when they don't succeed. I don't know a single parent that doesn't experience a drug-like high when they see their children succeed in sports or their other activities. I've been there, I know. But let me just tell you something. Don't live on that. Don't live on that. That's easy for me to say that my three oldest ones have grown up and are moving on to the next part of their journey. But I'll tell you what, to watch Tate hit a, 
a home run or, or Meredith to do what she does or Lydia to do what she does or any of my kids. I mean, yeah, I mean, you go nuts. You actually lose your mind for a little bit. I'll never forget when Meredith was born. I walked to the doctor and I still don't know what I said to him. It was just blathering. I was crying and all that kind of stuff. Children can do that too. And all I want to say, parents out there, look, be careful. Don't worship your kids. They're a gift from God, but don't worship them. Raise them up in the fear and the admonition. I, what I, I want to really encourage you to do is raise adults. Don't raise kids. Prepare them for the future. And that's all I'm going to say about that, but I'm going to say a whole lot more soon. The problem is this drug-like high that, that we get and we gain from watching our children succeed on the field, on the stage, out there in the world. Uh, and, and it brings us great satisfaction. It is, it is one of the joys of life. That's why I list it here. But there are withdrawals that come from the success that can be hard on the soul. They call it the emptiness syndrome, the things like that. But when I see sometimes parents, they put all their chips into that basket. They put all their chips in that biscuit to say, okay, well, I'm going to go and I want to make them the greatest of this or the greatest of that. And they don't raise them up in a kingdom context. And they don't follow God after they leave your home. Well, why would they, think any, why would they do anything other? When they didn't understand that your love and your focus was only about helping them to walk in the fear of God. I remember that day that I looked at Tate, and we were coming home. I'm, I'm getting into something it shouldn't be, but anyway. I'm coming home from a tournament with Tate on the baseball thing, and Tate was a little sad. I was like, what's going on, Tate? He said, man, I, I have to miss church tomorrow. I almost wanted to slam on the brakes and go get a, a stick out of the woods and hit myself over the head with it. Bam, bam. What are you doing, idiot man? Your son loves to worship God. He loves to hang around. He wants to be with the family of God. And I remember right then and there, I was able to determine what was going on in my life to get it straight. It is a drug. And sometimes I think that even parents need some celebrate recovery. To stop living on that stuff. It does bring you a joy, but it's only temporary. It does bring you a sense of high and success and a sense of elation to be able to brag and go to work and say, Look, hey, hey, did you see that game last night? Oh, my kid, he's the one that did it. I mean, there's, yeah, that's addictive, man. Oh, yeah, I know all about that. But it's, it can leave us empty and hollow. Quick advice on that and help your, chief, your children see their worth doesn't depend on their success in a sport of activity. Oh, be careful about that. Build kingdom into everything they do, thereby helping them see that what they do becomes or comes from God and may only last for a season. We need to help our children prepare for transitions in life, going from being the top dog to no one special at all for a season. Always special to God, though. Introduce your children to other interests other than sports, etc. If you have an Olympian on your hands, well, you'll know it. You'll know it. Don't try to push them. Insist on exposing your children to a biblical worldview before you turn them loose. If they don't understand. I mean, I believe me, I've talked to a lot of Christian parents' children, and I'll ask them basic Bible questions, and they don't know the answer. That's on your watch. It's on my watch. Teach them. Show them. Prepare them. Don't let these, these professors eat them alive, and they will certainly do it. 
And people have been doing it for 20 and 30 years. You think a first-year student coming in saying, I believe in Jesus, is going to be able to stand in front of that kind of accusation? They're goners. Teach them. Help them. Most high school graduates cannot defend their faith in any sense whatsoever. They're meat on the table of the humanists. Encourage them to serve within the local church. Most young people have no idea what the church is even really about. So that when they leave home, they're, very, they're not very likely to ever darken the door of a church again unless there's crisis. There are things that you can do, and I'll talk to you about them if you want to hear about them. The experience down in Fayetteville that we have. Don't be such a, in a rush to send them off. You've been taught. You've been, you've, you're, you're, you're eating the golden bread. It's not necessarily what will give life. Don't be in such a hurry to put yourself in debt an education. Solomon's conclusion that we must enjoy the life that God has given us and to fear and follow God. For us, it is to worship Christ and follow in his leading. How do we do this? Jesus talked about the water that lasts for. How do we find this water? This wealth that he says that, that brings contentment. This wisdom that is beyond any kind of human wisdom. I'll tell you, his name is Jesus. Pure and simple. If you don't know him, receive him. If you don't know much about him, listen to his words. If you, don't, if you have not experienced the kind of life and impact that I'm talking about here, you need to spend more time following him. It's not just about knowing about him, is it? It's not just believing him in him, is it? It's following him and his ways. How do you do that? Become a disciple, not just a follower. Followers stay at a distance. Disciples sit at the fire. Followers observe and do not participate. Disciples are sent out by Christ two by two. Followers find excuses to go back home. Disciples are at home with Christ and wherever he sends them. Jesus said, foxes have holes. I don't have a place to stay. Because, why? I was curious about that. It's because you understand that your home is not here, ultimately. So I want to encourage you to join a group. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every, dead, uh, every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So folks, we've got these small groups. To talk about being a disciple means we've got to make the commitment. We've got to celebrate recovery. There might be issues in your life that are holding you back. That's where you need to start. Jump in. Get information. Talk to Debbie. Debbie Marshall. Looks like she had to step out. But see her. Go to the table. Sign up for a group. I'm going to go through these very quickly. On Sunday morning, we actually have ministries and groups that, that you can join. And, and if you don't have other times during the week, well, man, you can serve right here on a Sunday if that's the only time that you have. We have kids' ministry led by Melissa Mosley. You can volunteer for so many things, the nursery, the preschool, the Valley Kids. You want to make a difference? Man, get a, a seven, eight, nine-year-old. That is the most awesome person on the planet, in my opinion. They look at you. They love you instantly. Don't you notice that? They look at you. Hey, you're new. I love you. And what you're getting ready to tell me is the complete truth. It doesn't really work that way when they're 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's like, 
I dare you to make any kind of sense to me. I'm going to eat you alive. Spit you out. Kids ministry, man. Talk about fun ministry. Cafe, led by Shannon Dickinson. When you go out to the cafe, you like, you like hanging with people? You like making coffee? You like drinking coffee? Well, hey, you get all the, all the coffee you can drink in there. But you can volunteer to, serve, volunteer to serve the beverages and food for our first-time guests as well as members coming in. Some people say, man, I don't get to see everybody. I got a setup for you, man. Go to that cafe, you see everybody. And that's a wonderful place to serve. And it's a wonderful gift to us here at Valley. 20-somethings, led, led by Andrea Donnelly. She'll have prayer and food and fellowship. And they're studying Destiny by Robert Morris. You know, we've heard from Robert Morris. We've seen some videos. He's got some excellent material. Great pastor down in Texas. Let's play ball. We have a softball team. Guys, want to play in a softball team? Now, this is not just going to be a softball team where you can get out there and cuss and beat on one another. No, you've got to start with prayer. You're going to help one another. Winning will definitely be a premium. We've got some uh, trophies out there, but that's not what it's going to be all about. It's going to make it a lot more kingdom-focused. And uh, Michael Blackman and, uh, and some other brothers are going to be uh, helping us put that together. So you want to sign up? Sign up for the team. They need a team. Uh, the Current. This is our youth ministry that takes place on Sunday nights, led by Devin Taylor, ages 12 to 18. There's teaching, Bible teaching, mission, I'm excited. Devin's getting ready to finish his degree. Where is Devin? He's probably out there getting him some of his grandma's goodies. That's what he's doing. That's okay. Oh, no, there he is. Devin. Devin's getting gra- ready to graduate from college, man, from Bibles College, and I'm so excited for him. Congratulations, buddy. Um, but he's leading our youth, and he teaches. He loves teaching. He loves getting into Bible. He loves heavy-duty discussion. You've got a young person. They need to be in there. It preps them. Can I say this? I've got something very, very exciting coming up. Karen Jones, you, have you met, you know who Karen Jones is? She's a, a, a woman who's just joined, 20-something year educator. She's putting on, in the first three Sundays of June, a creationist or intelligent design presentation that'll knock your socks off. First three Sunday nights in June. If you're an educator, you've got to be here. If you're a parent, you've got to be here. If you breathe in and out, you probably should be here. I'm telling you, this is good. I've seen a presentation. We'll tell you more about that. It's coming up. Devin is going to help us host that. Monday night, we've got Celebrate Recovery. You saw that. We've got Playing the Guitar. You want to learn a new instrument? Devin's going to be helping you learn how to play guitar if you want to. That's a great place to, to, to learn it, and we're offering that free of charge. Yeah, that's cool. Leader's Step, taking that next step in leadership. Pastor Jamie's going to help you, take you through some material that we have. Authentic led by Meredith Schmaltz. It's teen girls, 11 to 18, uh, a midweek opportunity for the young gals to get together and to learn about how it is, what it is to be a biblical female, a woman, and, what, and how to prepare for that. Tuesday, Women of Action. We've got our basic training, and also on Tuesday nights is becoming a member uh, here at Valley VCC. We're excited to offer that in lieu of the Sunday classes. Can't make it always on Sundays? Hey, we'll give you another chance. Wednesday night, Bible study led by Lee Harrell. This is a group of guys who are just going through Scripture together. It's kind of a post-men uh, of action group, but it's also open to men from the community and evangelistic opportunity there. On um, Wednesday night, is also uh, Tammy's going to lead us with John Maxwell's 21 Laws of Leadership. Very excited about that. I'm actually going to be in that as just a student. I'm going to sit in. I read John Maxwell's book, 21 Laws of Leadership, 25 years ago when he wrote it the first time. But he's redone it and refired it, and it's a video series. And I'm looking forward to going there and learning a little bit more about leadership. And you can join us. 
Um, Men of Action, uh, Alan Shabazz is going to be leading that, one of our uh, uh, leaders for the Men of Action. Excited about Alan leading that. and He's been doing this for about a year and a half, almost two now. So guys, you can join up, 7 p.m. here at VCC. Uh, excited about 1 Corinthians. Look, if you don't have something that really fits your bill, Pastor Jamie's teaching from the, first, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, an in-depth study, and I'm um, very excited about that. So for especially for those ladies that did not, because we're not offering a Women of Action Advanced, this will be a great place to just join in, go see Pastor Jamie. He's going to teach you all about Corinthians, aren't you, buddy? He's, he's going he's to dress up like a Corinthian. He's so, going to be so into it. <laughs> all right, Thursday. Uh, Mod Podge group led by Pat Harrell, weekly encouragement for ladies with devotions, crafting and fellowship. I want to go to that because I know how sweet that's going to be. Man, get your cup of tea, maybe a big old fat cookie and make stuff. That's fun. Valley production team. Look, you want to learn state-of-the-art video, audio, stuff like that? We're going to have a concert coming up here in June. I'll tell you more about, about that soon. We had a guy come in and look at our sound system and stuff. He goes, man, you guys are squared away. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, we do. We got, we got it going on. Got great stuff. You can learn basic computer skills. We'll show you some things. Join the team. Financial Peace, led by Mike Dunn. That is a life-changing course. So many people struggle with their money, and they don't know why. Come on Sunday nights. Is that right, Caroline? Thursday night? Yeah, I'm clueless. Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. Is that right? Okay. Valley Worship, led by our own Andrea Schmaltz. Uh, she has a band practice at 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. You like to, to, you like to sing or play an instrument? Come on out. Uh, join the team. It's awesome. You'll have an informal audition, and uh, we'll, we encourage you to become a member and, and do our growth track first, of course. Friday night, we got Moose Mountain, and that is led by Melissa Mosley, Mosley for first and through sixth grade. So kind of a young people's Friday night activity, a lot of fun. Board games by David Mosley on Friday night as well. And then Saturday, we got the community garden. And uh, so you can come on out. Want to learn about gardening? We got Will Mann, the man, on gardening and agriculture. And he's helping us grow a garden out there. Once it's all grown, we're going to give it away to folks down in South Weldon and other places. Great place to learn how to grow stuff, including your soul, which is good. Amen? So look, I gave, you I gave you an idea of what's back there. You can sign up today or you can come tonight and sign up. If you need some more time to think about it, that's fine. We'll give you a little more time, but we want you to sign up. Amen? Folks, disciple or follower, what are you?